Beshem Hashem, Naaseh v'Natsiach. We're going to do this week's parsha, and with your permission, we're going to start with Bechukotai. Uh, we're going to dedicate this year for the first Shlema of Rachamim ben Farideh, one of our members, and Hashem should give refuah Shlema. Do you have, if you have a Chumash in front of you, please look at this. This is something that's always been, something that's always been, um, just one second guys, let me uh, tell them to be more quiet over there. So anyways, if you look in the end, this week's parasha has how many curses? Elliot, do you know? 49. 49. 49. See, twice in the Torah, we have a um, parshas that, God forbid, curse the nation of Israel. One of them is this week's Pechukotai. Even though this week's the double parsha, Bahar. Do you know what Bahar talks about, gentlemen? Bahar talks about the mitzvah of Shemitah mostly, right? That on the seventh year we're not allowed to work the land of Israel. Bechukotai is all about what? Bechukotai is all about the, um, unfortunately, the curses. Again in the Torah and Parshat Kitavo it has curses, but that parsha has 98. Now the Zerah Shimshon is going to explain why this parsha has 49 and that parsha has 98. But I want to start on a happy mood. It says in the end of the Torah, in this week's parasha, chapter 26, Pasuk 42. It says... Which means what? God is going to remind us of the... I have mine playing too. We have the treaty of Yaakov. So, this is a fascinating thing. Yaakov here says with a vav. Do you notice that, gentlemen? If you look in your Chumash, now, the question is, why here does Yaakov have um, 26? Why here does Yaakov have an extra vav? I, exp- in, in, I apologize. In chapter, in chapter 26, Yaakov, which is my son's name, is always goes by what? It goes by Yud, Ayin, Kuf, Vav. Here it has an extra Vav. So Rashi brings down that five times in Tanakh, Eliyahu is missing a Vav, and Yaakov has an extra Vav. Because Yaakov took it away from Elio as a collateral that he's going to come and commemorate the coming of Mashiach, announce the coming of Mashiach. So the Zerah Shimshon is a little bit perplexed by this. What does this mean 
that Yaakov is going to take a vav and five times. Why five times? And why do we need this concept of Elio Hanavi coming and um, announcing the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Mashiach? So the Zerah Shimshon says a very amazing thing. He says that it's brought down in the Yalkut Shimoni. In the end of Tanakh, in Malachi, it says, Hine Anochi Sholeach Lachem et Eliyahu Hanavi. The, the Midrash there says, Im en Yisrael osim teshuvah enam nigalin. If the, if the Jews don't do teshuvah, they don't get redeemed. And then the Midrash says something other, utterly unbelievable. It says, the Jews won't do a complete teshuvah until Eliyahu comes and wakes them up to do teshuva. And it says what? It says, I'm going to read you the Midrash verbatim. Hine anochi sholeach, maketiv acharav v'shiv lev avot albanim. Eliyahu Anavi's job is going to cause the Jews to do teshuvah. How? By uh, bringing their heart close to Eliyahu Hanavi's heart. Now, that Zera Shimshan so eloquently explains this like this. Eliyahu's Navi's job to announce the coming of Mashiach is to he he is going to be the angel that's going to coerce and wake us up to do Teshubah. And he says, Mikol Shekain. It's even more so that Eliyahu's Navi is going to um, encourage us and be that positive light for us to wake up and realize that our lives without Torah and mitzvot is worthless. And that's what it says. So therefore, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a chain link. Eliyahu Navi comes. He's that energy in the world that causes us to do a complete teshuvah. By us doing a complete teshuvah, Mashiach will come. Now, the idea here of the Vav is we know that the Zohar, it was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, it says, Hey Shechinta Begaluta. When we Jews, the Mashiach has not come yet, God's name is what? God's name is in the Galut, which means. God's name is uh, not complete. That's why every time we pray and do a mitzvah, we say, L'Shem Yichud Kudshah B'Rechush Shechinteh B'Dechilu Uchimu Uchimu L'Yichada Shem Yudhe B'Vavhe Because through the Jews sinning, we destroyed the name of God. Now, it says, that's why it says in Isaiah, Yeshaya, Pishechem Shalchuim, Achem, Umshon Shal Eliyahu, Yeshosha. So Eliyahu's name has the name of God in it. 
Right? God's name is Yudhevapha. Eliyahu has Yud, He, and Vav. So it says that Yaakov, when he takes the word Vav away from Eliyahu, it becomes Eliyah. Like my brother Rabbi Balanes is not named Eliyahu, he's named Eliyah. He's saying that by Eliyahu Hanavi coming and ensuring that well, Mashiach will come by him talking to our hearts and waking us up to do Teshuvah that's going to make God's name to become complete again and that's why in Eliyahu Hanavi's name Eliyah especially God's name is not so evident that the name of God's name is in the name of Eliyahu and even though in the last two words of Eliyah it's yud Hey. But the Vav, which is a very Kabbalistically connects everything together, is missing. And anyways, Eliyahu Hanavi, the God's name won't completely be complete. The Zerah Shimshon says, till Mashiach comes. So that's why in Eliyahu Hanavi, you're missing the other um, Hey. So he says another reason that Yaakov Avinu had to take it away from Eliyah. So five times in the books we say, instead of Eliyah, it says Eliyah, because Yaakov added to his own name. It wants to say that only, this is a fascinating thing. Mashiach can only come five days during the week. Did you know that, gentlemen? It can only come on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Not on Friday, not on Shabbat. Friday it can't come. Because people are preparing for Shabbat and how they're going to travel to Israel when Mashiach comes. It, want, it doesn't want to ruin our Shabbat. Secondly, we don't want to, can't come on Shabbat because we can't go to Israel and travel on Shabbat. And I just, so that's that idea from the Zerashim Shon. I just want to add my two other aspects to this the great rabbi Chacham Netaneli when he would see Rabbanim like I the little me I would teach we, would, we went through Shas with my father together Daf Yomi so gentlemen if you had any question we're in Messianic times it says Ve'heshiv lev avot al banim ve'lev banim al avotam in, it's gonna. It's predicting that in messianic times of Mashiach, children will teach their fathers. For thousands upon thousands of years, the father was always teaching the son how to learn Torah. But nowadays, through the Baal Tshuva miracle, we see that before our eyes, the prophecy of Eliyahu Hanavi is coming through. And secondly. The last thing that the Zerah Shimshon said, he said that how could it be that Mashiach, the reason Yaakov Avinu took it away five times is because Mashiach can only come five days of the week. But we know the Rambam says we need to wait Mashiach every second. But why should we wait for him on Shabbat and Fridays if we know where he's not coming? 
So the Rosh Hashiva of Weinberg Zatzal explained that the idea here is very simply, we want Mashiach now, which is one of the questions God is going to ask us, and whoever is not anticipating Him is very problematic, is because the idea is, we have to know that without Mashiach, we can't see the face of our Father in Heaven. So we don't care. Even on Shabbat, we're looking forward to Him. Even on Friday, we're looking over for Him. It doesn't matter that it's a technicality that He can't come. But what do we have? What's the feeling? And this leads me to exactly the same, the next Zerah Shimshon. The Zerah Shimshon says, in the beginning of the second parsha, we read Bechukotai, it says, Im Bechukotai Telechu, so the Zerah Shimshon has a question the Arachayim HaKadosh asks. And that is, actually I believe the Al Sheikh and the Shalah HaKadosh also ask this question. The, the question is, if we follow the Torah, which the Torah says, Im Bechukotai Telechu, Umishpatai Tishmoru, Vaasitem Otam. All these mean the same thing. Bechukotai telechu means follow the laws of the Torah. Mishpotai tishmaru, keep the commandments. Asitemotam, carrying them out, is all a repetition. They, in the end of the day, they mean the same thing. And actually, when the Torah, in the very tragic part of this week's parsha, says when we are disgusted by the commandments... It just says timasu when you're disgusted about the commandment. It doesn't say lo tishma'u velo asitemotam. So what is this represent? What is the three different aspects of the Torah? Bechukotai telechu. Also mishpatai tishma'u vasitemotam. So that he says an amazing thing. The Zerah Shimshon. He says that in the end of the day we have to love the Torah and the mitzvos and to hate sin. Which means, and it's very amazing that he's alluding to the Mesilat Yesharim here, which means if a person is like a robot and he does all the commandments and he's very careful not to keep, not to sin, but he's not, he doesn't have a love for God and he's not disgusted by sin, that's a big no-no. So, the way the Zerah Shimshon learns this is something very interesting. He says, Im Bechukotai Telechu is the prerequisite for carrying out the Torah property, properly. And that's the love for the mitzvot. Because without the love for the mitzvah, you're not going to have Zerizut. You're not going to do it with alacrity. You're not going to run to do it. And you're, it's impossible for you to get to the higher level of purity, nekiyut, which is the ladder of the Mesilat Yesharim. And same way, if somebody doesn't hate sinning, what's going to happen? Very easily he could come to sin. So therefore the Zerashim Shon puts everything together. He says, Im bechukotai telechu, means that you should be disgusted by sin. Like we learned in Pirkei Avod. Run away like sin, like you will run away from fire. 
Bet mitzvotai tishmaru, he brings va'aviv shamaret adavar. You should have a love for the mitzvot. Because without that, it's impossible for you to have zerizut, and your mitzvot will become chametz, and without zerizut, you can't climb the ladder like the Mesilat Yeshayim, based on the Gemara and Avada Zara. Daf Chaf says, you can't come to Nekiyut. And that's why in the Klalot, it says, Im lo mitzvot. Not listening to God, this is the Chiddush of the Zerah Shimshon. Doesn't mean in action. It means in Hashkafa. In your heart. Do you have a love and a happiness looking forward? Like, I was thinking to myself, the litmus test is, do we miss the synagogue? Do we miss all the Emen Yehshemer Ramaz? Do we miss all the Birkat Kohanim? Then, the third aspect, so the first two aspects is disgust of sin, love of the mitzvot, like it says by Yaakov and Yosef. It means that Yaakov loved and was waiting for Yosef's prophecy to come to fruition because he knew that his son was Mashiach ben Yosef. So Shamar is a anticipation and yearning and love. Then, if we have those two prerequisites of hate of sin, and love of the mitzvot, then we can come to carry out the Torah properly. And that's what essentially it says in Parshat Acharemot. Ta'asu v'etchokotai tishmaru, afani zot lachem, But that's why it says in the Tochacha, in the end of the Parsha, that if we, im bechukotai timasu, means the mitzvot, we don't, Somebody that he doesn't necessarily hate sin. His observance of the Torah and mitzvot, he, his heart and soul is not into it. He's just like a mechanical robot. He does it to be Yotzezayn. That's the Chiddush of the Zerah Shimshon. That's where all the bad bachtis and the harm comes from. Now he says another fascinating thing. Like I said in the beginning of this year. 49 curses in this week's parsha. In Kitavo, in Devarim, it's 98. Why is that? Because he says, in this week's parasha, before Moshe Rabbeinu died, he made us responsible for our fellow Jew. It's called Arevut. We're going to learn that in Yehoshua also, that each Jew, we had it in the Dafyomi, that each Jew is responsible for his fellow Jew's command carrying out the Torah, which means if you know your friend or your son or your brother or your child, if you reprimand them and guide them, they're going to listen to you, but you're careless and don't, it's like you sinned. That's why this week's Parsha, we only get 49. But in Parsha Kitavo, it's very clear in the Torah, black and white, that we're responsible for our personal commitment to the Torah and our, we're, we, are, we are our brother's keeper. If our brother sins, like in the time of Yoshua by Achan, he took the spoils of Yericho and the Jews didn't set up a system to make sure 
that the Yehoshua's words would be kept, the whole Jewish nation gets punished. That's why the Klalot Rachmanat Litzlani should come on Sone Israel. And already prematurely we're saying that comes upon who? It becomes doubled, 48. 49 becomes 98. And that's why in Tehillim 139, the Zerashim Shon says, Hashem He says, Hashem, I, the people that hate you, I hate. So, if you look in the Rabbeinu Yonah and Brachot, it says we have to love God bechol levavcha. It t- says two with our two hearts. So again, the Zerashim Shon says something fascinating, which the Ramad Mivali, the uh, Talmud of the Ramchal, also mentioned this: that really hate comes from the Yitzhahara, because it says in the holy books, the Yitzhahara Tov always wants peace and unity. Because But the Zerah Shimshon says, even with your Yitzhahara, which is where hate and jealousy comes from, we sh- hate should we can use hate even that to serve God. How? By this concept of being disgusted by sin. So it comes out a tremendous chiddush from the Zerah Shimshon. It's not enough not to sin. It's not enough just to do the mitzvot. We have to develop a love and yearning and desire for God and His mitzvot. And we should be disgusted by the Averot. And that's why the Zerah Shimshon learns that David HaMelech says, Misanecha Hashem Esaneh. He doubles it. Levavcha is our two hearts. That even though hatred is really not something that's coming from a good place, even that we could use God to serve God with if we hate a disgusting behavior. Now this leads me to the Zerah Shimshon on Megillat Ruth. In two weeks it's going to be, we're 35th day of the Omer. So I wanted to... Uh, share with you a beautiful piece from the Zerah Shimshon on Megillat Ruth. He quotes the Zohar, which um, I myself was fascinated about. It says over here that um, if you look in Ruth, this is chapter 1, Pasuk 9. We know that Megillat Ruth, there's many reasons we read it on Shavuot, one of the reasons is, is that King David's birthday is in Shavuot and King David came from Ruth. And we know that the leader of the Jews at the time was Elimelech. He abandoned the Jews. And guess what happened? He moved. There was a famine in the, na- in, in the soil of the Holy Land and he abandoned his uh, flock. He abandoned his nation and he went to Moab. And as a punishment, God killed his two children, Machlon and Kilion. Now, his wife, Naomi, came to come back to the land of Israel because her husband and two sons had died. In passage 8, it says, Naomi tells his, her two son-in-laws, which were Ruth 
And Orpah, she tells them like this, May Hashem deal kindly with you as you have dealt kindly with me, with the dead and me. May Hashem grant you security, menucha means peace, tranquility. Each in a home of her husband. And it says they raised their voice and wept. The Zerah Shimshon wants to explain this Kabbalistically. He says, he asks a question on this Pasuk. He says, why is she talking to her two daughter-in-laws that are females in Lashon Zachar? He, he, she should be telling them Lachen, not Lachem. And also, why is she presuming they're not going to find Menucha, peace? They were both princesses. Now that her sons died, I'm sure they would find good husbands. And if you say because they had bad luck with their first husbands, doesn't mean that they're going to have bad luck and bad mazal their entire life. And why? what is she really repeating here? Ya'asev Hashem imachem chesed. So, he asks another question. It says, Yitem Hashem Lachem. She says, God should give you, but she doesn't tell them what God should give them. What should God give them? So, he explains here, according to the Zohar, Kadosh, page 102, in Parashat Mishpatim. Sabah de Mishpatim. Sabah de Mishpatim says like this. If a woman's husband dies, the Zohar, I'll, I'll, I'll read you the Zohar, the Zohar is a fascinating one. A woman, Rahman al-Itzlan, if her husbands die, so obviously, if they were soulmates, which we hope they were, their souls were connected, it says, Shavik barucha, v'kad yislachdel achrina ba'la tanina ativayel rucha ba'umana, if the first husband was really the true soulmate of his first wife, when the woman gets remarried to her second husband, the widow, the first husband's neshama is jealous and is going to cause shalom bayit problems between her and, God forbid, her second husband. And it causes them not to be able to be unified. And it's because of, God forbid, this is a scary thing. It's because of the, that the second husband, I apologize, it's because that the, the second husband and, the fir, and this new wife, they can't get along where Good, because the second, the first husband's neshama, it causes problems. Because a woman, we have to understand something, we're all adults here. When a husband and wife are together, their, their souls also connect. And what happens is, 
The physical intimacy between a husband and wife causes that the husband's soul should get connected to the wife's soul. And it says, Adzman sagi It says the souls of the first husband and second husband are going to have a little bit uh, rivalry and quarrel until one of them overcomes the other one and he says that I'm the new soulmate and this new soul should really connect with the second one. And it says sometimes the first husband, if the second husband isn't good and the woman is a eshet chayel, it'll kick out the second marriage and make not make that uh, successful. Now, it's according to this that he explains this fascinating passage in Megillat Rud, the Zerah Shimshon. He says, when Naomi was blessing Ruth and Orpah, she was saying that not only should you be blessed, she was saying it in a Lashon Zachar, she was, she was talking to the, the souls of her boys, that she said you should be blessed that the new soulmate that you get should be able to very appropriately be able to mesh together and the first soul should not cause damage and fights between you and your new soulmate. And obviously she knew that her two sons, Machlon and Kilion, were very righteous and they had left inside Ruth and Orpah holiness. And she said, she actually, according to the Zerah Shimshon here, he was um, recommending to them that they should not marry a goy. Because she said, how could you, it's going to cause a lot of problems between you and the new soulmate. So it says, imagine if a woman's soul was connected to a sadiq and now they go and go back to their pagan ways. She was praying to God at this problem that they should not have a problem with their second husbands because what the Zohar says. So, this is what she explains by when Naomi came to kiss her two daughter-in-laws from Orpah, the Zerashim Shon explains, is that she sucked out the holiness. Because Orpah, in her heart of hearts, did not want to continue. And I want to read it for you verbatim because it's such a fascinating Kabbalistic. He says, So, I stand corrected. When Naomi kissed her daughters, one of two things could have happened. If they authentically wanted to join the Jewish nation, it would have helped them, it would have boosted them to become more holy because Naomi was a very righteous woman and then they would have became Jewish. If their idea was to go back to their own pagan ways like Orpah was, it would suck out the holiness and it would help them because once 
Naomi by kissing Orpah, sucking out the holiness, then she would be more compatible with her second rule um, soulmate. And there wouldn't be a fight between the old husband's soul and the new husband's soul. So, Ruth was a little bit um, paranoid and she was hush at them. She said most probably they're going to go back to their pagan ways. So therefore, that's why they cried. They cried because they said, uh, why do you think that we're going to do that? But in the end of the day, in the last second, Orpah, which was the great-grandmother of Og, she decided to do what? Back out and go become a princess and go back to her pagan ways. But in the end of the day, Ruth, which was the great-grandmother of David, by the kiss of Naomi, it injected holiness into her. And this could be why it's very important that the Sephardim, they have a minhag, to kiss the hand of the rabbi. Because it connects. That's why the Benishchai says, a, a rabbi, if a woman is very old, even 70, 80 years old, in his book, Od Yosef Chai, it says, it's not Shomer Negia for her to kiss his hand. The rabbi doesn't need to pull back a hand if a very old lady wants to kiss his hand. Kissing connects the soul of the two people together, even woman to woman. Now, I'm going to end off with reading from inside the Zerah Shimshon. It says, So it said, they ended up kissing each other twice goodbye. Ruth, already from the first kiss of Naomi, decided that she wants to be on the Holy Grail and become Jewish. The second one even boosted it more. But what, what Naomi was doing Kabbalistically to Orpah, was sucking out any of the um, reminiscence of the holiness of her older son, which was uh, the husband of Orpah. So now she met them well. She didn't want them, the souls to get... By the way, people, this is halakhically important because it happened... My uh, father of blessed memory's wife... It's for this reason that if a person gets remarried, Kabbalistically, they're not allowed to go to the fun. They're not. They're not from that time and on. They're not allowed to um, visit the grave of their old partner. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it seems the source is in this part of Kabbalah. I thank everybody for joining. Um, Please stay tuned for our next class, possibly tomorrow night. We're going to have a class on modern halacha. And uh, just send me what you want the class to be on, because there's nothing better to having a captivating audience. Good night, Koltuf.